0: I want to say hello to those of you in the narthex. Great to have you with us. When I taught literature, I would also occasionally teach some uh, film with it. And just for a minute, I want to return to my former career and walk you through the last scene of the movie Titanic, which is a movie that made more money than any movie in history ever has. Not bad for a movie about a boat that sinks. And it obviously struck a responsive chord. And in the movie, two people named Jack and Rose fall in love, but Jack dies saving Rose's life, and Rose lives to a ripe old age. And at the end of the movie, I'm just going to walk you through this clip. We see Rose as an old woman in bed. Get spooky music in the background. The camera pans away. The implication is that she's just died. You can't quite see it yet, but slowly the camera, what begins to emerge is the camera underwater, and you're looking at the sunken wreck of the Titanic, where it is laid on the bottom of the ocean for 85 years. And then the camera kind of slowly goes inside, and what you start to see is gradually this wreck begins to be remade and restored to what it used to be. You go into this room full of people and the perspective here is roses. You see all these people lined up and it's it's designed actually to look like a wedding. And there at the top of the stairs, her true love, Leonardo DiCaprio. Looking all of 15 in this movie. And then she stretches out her hand, and we see her young and restored and beautiful again, and our media tech person fades it out before the sloppy kiss. (laughs) The last scene of the Titanic, tastefully edited for church viewing. What's interesting to me is that last scene is very similar to the last scene in the Bible that we just read, which is also described as a wedding. Now, don't freak out, I'm not saying that Leonardo DiCaprio is Jesus or anything like that, perish the thought, but I think the last scene of the movie gets at something very deep in the human psyche, and that is the longing to see this world and our bodies remade. Just like the Titanic got wrecked, our world got wrecked by sin and sank, and we long to see it remade. And that image of the ship gradually being transformed to me is a great image of what Jesus wants to do with us and wants to do with our world. He wants to remake it, make it brand new all over again. And that's what we have been talking about all fall, how Jesus makes us, our marriages, our communities, our jobs, our world, all things new again. And yes, that's not going to be completely done until Jesus returns. But nevertheless, Jesus wants to do some of that remaking right here, right now on this earth. It's interesting to me that in the passage we read today, it says that the new earth comes down out of heaven to us. It comes to us, not the other way around. You see, theologically speaking, we don't go to heaven. Heaven comes to us. Up there comes down here. In the text, Jesus says, behold, I make all things new. He doesn't say I make all new things. And what that means is that heaven is not just pie in the sky and the sweet by and by, but as Jesus said over and over and over, the kingdom of heaven is now, right here, right now. And Jesus invites us into the adventure of working with Him to make up there come down here, right here, right now. And we do that with our time, with our hobbies, with our jobs, and with our money. Oh, no. He said money in October. It must be Stewardship Sunday, that annual exercise in guilt and obligation where the pastor tells you you better give some money or God's going to be really, really mad. Well, it is Stewardship Sunday. If you're visiting here, we don't do this every week, uh, then you might, this sermon isn't necessarily aimed at you, but you might just want to listen in. Just might find something helpful, you never know. But for the rest of us, I don't think it is about guilt and obligation. Because with Jesus, it is never about that. It is always an invitation, never an obligation. And as a congregation, y'all are great at responding to this invitation from Jesus to give. Especially this year. You guys rock i mean not only meeting the needs of our operating budget but given to the ripple effect as well the main thing i want to say to you guys is thank you thank you for being so generous way to go church and just by way of update just to let you know your gifts to the ripple effect are already making a difference the architects are working on drawings for the new building for our children and youth and we've already bought the land for the street kids center in rwanda And at the Jubilee Reach Center in East Bellevue, we are already serving over 300 people a week. That's already. Through programs like ESL, before and after school programs, nutrition classes, 85 of you have volunteered. And lives are being changed. There's a little girl we heard about. I'll call her Sarah. Sarah comes from a bit of a rough home. Her mom has a lot of different men in and out of the house. Sarah came to the Jubilee Reach Center with a really kind of a hard exterior this fall. But a couple of weeks ago, a crossing guard from a nearby school came down to the Reach Center and said, I don't know what y'all are doing, but Sarah's happy. We've got parents calling up crying and saying it's changing their kids' lives. We've got kids saying to their parents every night, make sure to set the alarm so we can get to the Jubilee Reach Center on time. We're also helping adults learn English while their kids at the same time participate in educational activities. That is that is way more than I would have expected at this time. And that's all possible because of you. You are making all of that happen through the ripple effect. So thank you. But today I'm not going to focus on the ripple effect so much. I want to talk about the broader ways that we as a church are partnering with Jesus and making up there, come down here week in and week out. And yeah, part of the way we do that as a community is with our money. In the Old Testament, God said to give at least 10% of what you earn to run the temple and do His work in the world. It's called a tithe, 10%. Jesus upped the ante a little bit by saying that giving should be sacrificial, which for some of us might mean more than 10%. And I can say from my own experience that this is a huge blessing. It's been a huge blessing for, for Christina and me. Because even though we give some of our money away, we always see God provide. And that convinces us that He's there because we're seeing Him provide for us. But the bigger joy is that it makes us a part of what God's doing in the world. That's why, like many of you, Christina and I give the first 10% of everything we earn to this church, to the operating budget. And then for the next three years, over and above that, we're given to the Ripple Effect and a couple other Christian organizations. But only after we give 10% to the operating budget here because we believe that's what the Bible says... Plus, it's a way that we can link arms with all of you and make a difference in the world. You've heard me say this before, quoting a pastor named Bill Hybels. I believe it just as much as he does. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. It's not government. It's not charities, as good as those are. I believe the local church is the hope of the world because only the local church can not only meet people's needs, but do it in the name of Jesus so that they also get introduced to the God who loved them enough to die for them and can live with Him forever. And I believe that this particular local church is bringing a lot of hope, starting with the people who go here every week. See this little girl? She is the cutest three-year-old in America. In our preschool this month, she, along with 45 other three-year-olds, got their first Bible. And she was so happy to get it, she would not put it down the whole first day she had it. Everywhere she went, she lugged this Bible, half the size of her, all around. She just kept looking at all the pictures of Jesus. Now, you'll be happy to know that her parents are Christians. (laughs) At least they're trying. But they need help raising her to know Jesus and have a moral compass. And that's what the church does. It helps. Thank you, FPCB, for making up there come down here in my kids' lives. Another need we all have is to connect to Jesus through worship. And I think because music opens our hearts more than words can, I think music is a way that changes people's lives. I mean, listen to this this morning, it just it takes me to God right there. It changes lives. Last week my mother-in-law was visiting us, and Christina's family has is completely uninterested in church, not hostile, just not interested. We've invited them to come to church with us many, many times, and they always look at us funny and say, well, why would we want to do that? As if it were walking across hot coals or something like that, right? Well, last weekend when my mother-in-law was here, my wife said, you know, Mom, this is something that we do as a family. We'd love it if you would come to church with us. So she did. Now, she's probably only been to church two or three times in her life, and she was she was blown away. She She went to the 945 service, Loved Terry Tripp's sermon. Loved the people that she met there. She talked about it all day long. Especially the music. She's a big rock and roll fan and she kept saying, I didn't know you could have that kind of music in church. It's like it opened up this whole new world to her, right? Thank you. Thank you for helping my wife and I begin to see an answer to something we've prayed about for years. And that kind of thing happens in both our modern and right here in our traditional services as well. A while back, an 11-year-old girl sent us an email about attending her first Monday Thursday service right here in the sanctuary. These are her words. This is what she wrote. She said, "I sang the hymns, I listened to the organ. I laughed at the pastor's jokes. I was almost bored. Then came the time when we line up to have the oil rubbed on our foreheads. That's what we do in Monday Thursday services. I did what I was supposed to do and have the oil on my head in the shape of a cross. I sat back down and I burst into tears. I didn't even know why. For some reason, I was feeling almost euphoric. When I went home, I was still crying. I explained my situation to my mom. She told me that when people are touched by the Holy Spirit, they either can't help laughing or can't help crying. I guess I'm the crying variety. It was almost unreal. I felt rushes of adrenaline. I was overjoyed. Having God touch me was the most wonderful feeling I've ever had. Thank you, FPCB, for making up there, come down here in an 11-year-old's life. It's the same in our caring ministries. I heard about a man recently who was very anti-church, very anti-Christian, but he'd been treated, treated for prostate cancer and was having some serious problems because of it. Well, a member from our church knew this man and called our prostate cancer support group and said, Don't invite him, he won't come, but just pray for him. Well, so they did. A few weeks later, this man's wife called to say that her husband really needed help, but that he wouldn't come. So we sent some information about the cancer prostate cancer support group to him. The guy ended up coming. Found a band of brothers with whom he could honestly share his struggles. They'd be his friends, they'd pray for him. He loves the group even though every meeting opens and closes with prayer. He still doesn't want to come to church, but he's seeing who Jesus is through us. We're showing, Jesus, showing who Jesus is by how we serve the community and the world out there. And we do this very well as a church. You know, auto angels, you've heard of me talk about it before, a group of men who repairs cars for people who can't afford it. I mean, every, not a month goes by that I don't hear some story about how that group of men has transformed some family's life. Kid reach, home to home, they all do the same thing. We've adopted two villages in Guatemala. We're bringing hope, medical aid, housing, all kinds of things to countries like Cambodia, Russia, Mexico, Haiti, Rwanda, Sudan. And our elders have voted that 20% of any budget increases automatically goes to care for the needs of people in our community and our world in the name of Jesus. In so many ways, Up There is coming down here because of all of you because of the ways that you are responding to Jesus' invitation with your time, talent, and treasure to partner with Him in the adventure of making all things new. This year, our elders have set a goal of $5.8 million for the operating budget. That's going to allow us to keep on doing the things we're doing, plus expand a little, maybe particularly in children's ministries where we're busting at the seams and and, and, and uh, how we care for the world out there. So let me challenge you. If between what you're given to the ripple effect and the operating budget, you are not yet at a tithe, make this the year you get there. It'll be a blessing. It has always been a blessing for my wife and me. Now, I know that some of you are maybe having financial difficulties. We understand that. And if that's the case, please let us know so we can pray for you and maybe find ways to help you. And for you, maybe your gift will come not in money this year, but in time. For the rest of us, I just want to invite us to please bring your pledge envelopes next week to worship. You should get some in the mail or you can pick some up uh, here at the church. Turn them in next week. That will help us plan for the year ahead. But the question in all of this is not how much should I give, obligation. The question is how much is Jesus inviting me to be a part of what he's doing in the world, invitation. Because this is what God designed us to do. You know, God is a giving God, and we are made in His image. It's not that we're obligated to give, it's that we were designed to give and to partner with Him in what He's doing in the world. And our culture distorts that image of God in us, teaches us to hoard and hoard our resources and be afraid, but then we are denying the image of God inside of us, denying what we were designed to do, and that leaves us frustrated, afraid, and bored. It's like what we do with SUVs. Bear with me, this will make sense. Especially in California, where I live, you'd go to the shopping malls and you'd see all these SUVs in parking lots, right? These great big vehicles designed to go off-road and scale mountains and get dirty and do rugged things in the wilderness, right? Stuck in a strip mall parking lot, right? With nary a speck of dirt on it. That is a very frustrated SUV, It was designed to do something much bigger, much more adventurous. Instead, it's stuck in a shopping mall, which for me sounds like hell. Some of you, I don't know if you like that, but shopping, I don't do that. That's what our culture does to us. It convinces us that happiness can be found at the mall. But all that does is confine us. It keeps us from doing what we're designed to do, and it does not make us happy. The thrill of the next purchase evaporates pretty quickly. And as a result, we are not having nearly as much fun with our money as we could be. God is a giver. We are made in His image to give. And we will never be fulfilled unless we give and partner with Him in making up there, come down here. A while back we got an email from a woman in our church. And I I just want to close by reading it to you because I think it captures some of the ways that Jesus is using us as a church to make up there, come down here. This is what she says. These are her words. I found my way to FPCB through the divorce recovery workshop. Like many of the shell shock survivors sitting there that first night, I found myself in unfamiliar territory. I knew no one there, least of all myself. When I left my abusive marriage of nearly 20 years, I also walked away from the support of many friends and many local family. And then I entered a self-imposed isolation as a result of a dangerously deep depression. Through, the, through divorce recovery, I became part of a follow-up group of women who get together every other week and share a wonderful dinner and study Christian books. We pray, we cry, and we laugh a lot. They have become my new family. We get together outside of the group to see movies, enjoy breakfast after church, and help each other with tasks that we have to learn to do on our own. The men who are a part of Auto Angels helped me answer car, a car-related question and directed me to a reliable mechanic who doesn't take advantage of car-naive single women. I've had incredible experiences of healing my relationship with God at a church-sponsored singles retreat, a workshop on forgiveness at FPCB, and through Pastor Tripp's inner healing prayer ministry. God has also provided me opportunities to give back through the ripple effect and by becoming involved in the Sudan vision team. Healing is happening in places I didn't even know were damaged. I'm learning to trust God, no small feat, and He in return is providing abundantly. God is remaking me, and I am moving beyond surviving into thriving in an abundance of support and opportunities to give back. God is good. Through Jesus and this church, this woman has been remade. And now she is partnering with God in remaking the world through the ripple effect, Sudan vision team. You know, I will never understand why God put something so important as spreading his kingdom into our clumsy hands. I mean, I don't know why he did it, but I know that it's an honor that he did. That the God of the universe, who could have done this on his own and it might have been more efficient if he had, invites you and me to partner with him in making all things new. Until we see his kingdom come and his will get done in us in our jobs, in our marriages, in our church, in King County, and all around the world. That is what we were designed to do. So the question I want to leave you with is how much is God calling you to be a part of that adventure? Lord Jesus, thank you for the privilege you give us of inviting us to partner with you and make an up there come down here in us, in our church, and in our community and world. And Lord, help us to follow you with our time, our talent, and our treasure. See you do miracles through us, and we'll give you the glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.